Today's Bible reading in 1 Peter. But before that, please bow your heads as you pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your Son Jesus, that through his blood we have been called into devoted sonship. Lord, as we come before your word today, we ask that you may soften our hearts to understand through your Spirit. We pray for Zeke as he brings us your word that we may seek to apply it out of thanksgiving and repentance. Lord, please guard our ears and hearts from distraction and unbelief. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today's Bible reading will be in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 to 10. So please open to me, and I'll be reading through NIV. So that is 1 Peter, chapter 2, verse 4 to 10. Starting from verse 2. Oh, verse 4, sorry. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God, and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built up into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, the stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected and has become the cornerstone. And... A stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness to his wonderful light. Once you were not people, not a people, But now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Jerry, for that Bible reading. It's fantastic. Um, Good morning, church. Uh, So glad to have you all here once again. If you're here for the first time, so glad you could join us. Um, Yeah, look forward to meeting you after the service. Now, the pastors aren't here today, both are sick, so best wishes to to them, and uh, we look forward to having them back when they can come back. Um, Now, to start the sermon... I thought we'd just play a little video. Dave, tell us about yourself. Who are you? Well, I'm a, an executive assistant at a major pet products company. Dave, I don't want you to tell us what you do. I want you to tell us who you are. Oh, all right. Um, I'm a pretty good guy. I, um, I like 
playing tennis on occasion. Uh, also, not your hobbies, Dave. Just simple. Tell us who you are. I just... Maybe you could give me an example of what a good answer would be. Um, what did you say? <laughs> you want Lou to tell you who you are. <laughs> no, I just... Uh, I'm a nice, easygoing man. I might be a little bit indecisive at times. Um, Dave, you're describing your personality. I want to know who you are. I don't know. <laughs> so I wonder what your conversations were like when you tried to describe to your friend who you were. Did it look something like that? Probably a little bit awkward. Um, I love that film, Anger Management, and I'm not sure what the psychologists or the counsellors in the room think of this scene, whether it's effective or not. Or maybe Jack Nicholson is just trying to rile up Adam Sandler's character to display some anger. But nevertheless, I think a point that does come out is that who we are may not necessarily be determined by what we do. Maybe you also used external factors such as your job, your relationship, your hobbies to try and define yourself. But these, of course, change all the time, don't they? And if I think if you were to do an identity map of yourself today versus five years ago, how different would that look? In fact, I think most of us probably go through life letting what we do define who we are. And when we find that that doesn't work, we circle back to the question, who am I? Really? Now, very warm welcome to you once again. Uh, my name is Ezekiel, if you haven't met me. Um, and we're currently making our way through the first book of Peter, sorry, the book of First Peter, um, in our sermon series called Resilient Hope. Now, in our first week, Pastor Matt introduced us to the idea that despite the difficulties and sufferings of the world, we as Christians have a hope that lasts forever, like his old microwave. Pastor Iggy then challenged us in the second week with a command, be holy because I am holy. A big call to put off sin and to love one another in that process. Now as we come to our third talk, Peter takes a step back and understands that he needs to remind his readers that the, thing he call, the things he calls them to do must first be rooted in who they are. And this is the only way in which we can have a clear direction and sense of purpose in life. So come with me now to verse 4, which will also be up on the screen. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe the stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone that causes people to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. Now it's important to remember that at the time Peter was writing this letter, he was writing to Christians of the early church who were scattered all over the continent. And whilst the Christians weren't quite experiencing the persecution yet, 
they were nonetheless feeling displaced and rejected by the people around them. Being Christian wasn't a popular thing. And 2,000 years later, in 2022, it's probably much the same to how you feel today as a Christian. A bit out of place in this world. So verse 4, as we come to Jesus, the living stone, we too become like living stones. What does that mean? To understand what it means to be a living stone, we need to first look at Jesus, the original living stone. Now, stones are, of course, by default, not alive. They are hard. They don't move. But this stone, Jesus, he started out with life because as the creator, he created all things and is the giver of life, especially the giver of new life to those who believe in him. And part of Jesus' character as the living stone is that he was rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. In fact, Jesus was rejected from the first moment he stepped into this world. He was born in a lowly manger, an animal food trough. He started his ministry in Galilee, a place despised as Gentile territory. He called those low in society to be his disciples. His hometown people rejected him because he was a son of a carpenter, not a noble person. He was slandered by the religious leaders and finally falsely accused, tried and condemned to death on a cross, which is the most humiliating form of death at that time. And despite the world's rejection, Jesus was still chosen and still precious to God because he fulfilled God's plan, which was that through his death and resurrection, we may have life and relationship with God, like living stones. So Trish and I used to love going to Ikea. As uni students, we'd stumble through the showroom and get inspiration for a house that we couldn't buy for a long time. And the thing I hated about Ikea, and what also makes it so brilliant, is that you, if you only want to look at one section, you've got to walk through the whole thing, despite all the shortcuts that are supposedly there that I can't find until I see the back of it. And then I walk back through, I'm like, oh, it's just here again. And the section that I never thought I'd be in love with was the clearance section. I always bought new. But items that have been discarded, rejected, had a leg missing, these items can all be inspected, purchased, and cherished by other shoppers but you can only get there at the very end of the whole shop. And that's a bit like us as well. We're the discarded items, but God chooses us. He cherishes us, and he gives us new life as well in his house. So as we come to Jesus, the living stone, what happens? We receive life and become living stones as well. And this is something that can never be taken away and will never change. That is who we are. So don't be surprised if the world rejects you. They rejected Jesus after all. But know that there is absolutely no reason for God to have chosen you. But he did. And he loves you. And you are precious to him. And what that means is that no matter what the world thinks of you, no matter what goes wrong in your life, no matter how much it seems like the whole world is against you, you remain chosen and precious to God. Now, it might very well be that you're in high school or uni, 
and you aren't partying or drinking like your friends. The things that your friends find fun and encourage you to do aren't really things that you want to do. Or maybe you're the only Christian in your family and all the things you've known to do with your family now seem sort of awkward. What you used to enjoy doesn't seem so interesting and the priorities that your family valued you don't longer share. Or maybe as a worker, it's saying no to work on Sunday or work events because you know the importance of coming to church and being with God's people. Or not chasing that next promotion offer with a salary increase because you know you'll compromise family at home. Or maybe you're a parent and you're struggling to accept that your kids don't have to keep up, they don't have to excel at school, and the choices you make might marginalise yourself from other parents. Who we are isn't always understood by the world, and it sometimes even leads to rejection, because what we do is so often contrary to what the world thinks we should do. But that's okay, because what we do reflects who we are. And who we are is living stones, selected but rejected, but still chosen and precious to God. And that's something we can take pride in, because nothing will ever take that away. That is who we are. So that's our first point. So now we know who we are, living stones. What happens next? As you see in the verse here, it says, living stones, not stone. It's not a solo journey. So let's go back to verse 4. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, in other parts of the New Testament, we see analogies of the church being like a body or like a family. But here, Peter says that as living stones, we're meant to be part of God's spiritual house. And if we actually turn back to the first time that church is used in the Bible, we see that Jesus says to Peter, Upon this rock I shall build my church. The church is something to be built. And, like all, and unlike all the other temples at the time that were built of beautiful materials like the cedars of Lebanon, beautiful refined stone, God's temple is made up of people. Made up of us. And Peter extends our identity as living stones to also being, in verse 9, a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Now, it sort of doesn't come out well in the English translation, but all the yous in the passage are plural yous. You are a chosen people, not chosen person. You are a royal priesthood not a royal priest. A holy nation, you get the idea. We were saved to be living stones together and to build God's temple together. At the time that Peter was writing this, he would have been writing to both Jews and Gentiles. But for the Jews to be hearing this, my goodness, it would have been absolutely mind-blowing to them. A royal priesthood? A holy nation? Their terms reserved only for Israelites for thousands of years. 
It was their job to bring the knowledge of God to the world. But not anymore. Peter's making clear that all who believe, both Jews and Gentiles, are all living stones built into the one house to worship the one God. And whilst the early Christians were scattered all over, they were still meant to be holy priests reflecting God's own holiness. And we are also called to be holy priests offering sacrifices to God through Christ Jesus. Now, I think the best way to understand this is to look at the four identities, each in verses nine, in verse 9, one by one. So let's go through this. First, a chosen people. You ever been chosen for a team or for a job amongst other participants? I'm sure most of us have. Even if you weren't the first selected in the team, when it was your turn, it felt pretty special. And just like that, God chooses us to be his people and God chose us, not because of our merit, but because he loves you. So whenever you're feeling lonely or insignificant, remember, God chose you and you can have confidence of your place in God's family. So let's not try and take away from what he's already done. Let's accept what God says about us and be thankful for his grace and live with dignity that we are God's chosen people. A royal priesthood. Whilst we might get sideways glances about our faith, but to God, we are part of his royal family. I remember when baby George was born to Prince William and Kate. That was some major news. By virtue of being born into the family, George was honoured, loved, and he instantly became a celebrity. All the things that he was going to wear, I bet you a lot of kids in England also wore. How much more blessed and privileged are we to be God's children, taken into his family? God's made each of us a royal priest regardless of our human families, and as members of his royal family, we share in the inheritance, and we share in the ministry of our Father, which is, uh, and the ministry of our Father, which is to bring more people into this family. What an honor and privilege that is. A holy nation. Though we live in this world, we don't belong to this world. And that's always a little bit awkward, isn't it? As Pastor Iggy shared last week, he said, Be holy because God calls us to be holy. We're to reflect God's holiness through our words, deed, and lifestyle. And as we do this together with other believers, we form a holy nation which is not bound by geography. And to be a holy nation is not to live separately from the world, but to reveal to God, to the world, that, to the God, oh, sorry, but to reveal God to the world as we love and pursue God with all our hearts. And God transforms the world through us. A small ripple can lead to big changes. And finally, God's special possession. What's your most treasured possession? Maybe it's your iPhone. Maybe it's your PlayStation. Maybe it's a piece of jewelry. Maybe it's your dog, if they're counted as possessions. Whatever it is, we take care of our treasured possessions. We know where it is at all times. We pay extra attention to it, whether it's scratched or dropped. And just like that, God sees us as his special possession, bought by the blood of his own son. And just as we treasure these possessions, God treasures us. 
and He takes care of us, and sometimes that involves disciplining us for our own good. Sometimes we might look at ourselves and feel insignificant, wounded, broken, or weak, and that life doesn't matter to God. But we know that God has placed us exactly where we need to be. God is calling each of us to build His spiritual house, which we can't see, and it's not limited to geography. As a church of His people, we're to declare His praises together. Now, I remember one time when I was feeling stuck as to what to do next in my life. It's one of my life's constant struggles. It happens every few years. But God had a funny way of putting people around me. This particular time, I remember I was going, what do I do next? Well, someone from church said this. And then, I won't tell you what it was, but another person at a cafe that I was working at also said the same thing. And then another person from uni They all told me the same thing within the same week, and I was not expecting that. And I can't exactly remember what it was, but God has always spoken to me in threes. It happens all the time, and if if I get told the same thing three times in one week, I'm like, oh, God's speaking to me. But what I was dumbfounded to see was how God used his people from all different walks, his holy nation from all over the place to affect my singular life. And that's really a reflection of what God's church is like, isn't it? A great mosaic of people from every tribe and tongue on earth that if we look at each part, we're all so messy and it doesn't look nice, but put together, step back, and you see the whole picture, truly marvellous, displaying God's love, wisdom, and power. So now we need to remember who we are, which is living stones, precious and chosen by God, and being built into God's church as His holy nation. What's that all mean for us? Living stones being built together into God's house. Let's look at the end of verses 5 and 9 to finish it all off. And our purpose is to offer sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus and to call others out of darkness into His wonderful light. In the Old Testament, priests offered sacrifices to God to cover the sins of the people. And God accepted their sacrifices, forgave them, and restored them. Except now, through Jesus, we don't need blood sacrifices. Rather, we're to offer our own lives as special, uh, as living sacrifices to God. And as a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and God's special possession, we are to declare the praises of Him who called us out of darkness. That's our purpose. If there's one thing that the world absolutely hates, it's Vegemite. But as Australians, we love it, don't we? And to not love it is to be un-Australian. Who doesn't like Vegemite here? Be honest, me neither. But like the kangaroo, Vegemite is so synonymous with Australia that as an Australian, I feel like I have to own my love for Vegemite because I'm part of Australia. And that's what it's like to be a living stone in God's church. We've been joined to God's team, and with Jesus as our captain and cornerstone, he sets a direction that we head to, and that's to be a holy priesthood offering our lives to, church, or to God. Our purpose is not to preach to people. There's many workshops on how we can you know, effectively evangelize. Perhaps one easy way is to share what God's done in your life. What's he done for you? Who would know your story better than you?
And what better way to declare the praises of God with how he's changed your life? So I challenge you today to think about, are you convinced? Are you satisfied that you're part of God's house? And who or what is a cornerstone in your life? If you're letting work define your identity, you may find yourself questioning whether you've made the right decision to take that job, especially when times get tough and the job's not so glamorous anymore. Have I made the right choice? Have I dedicated years of my life climbing up the wrong mountain? I've definitely thought that, and I'm still thinking that. Or maybe life's caring about your family only. What happens when your family fails you, and all the years you've invested in your children just to see them go down the wrong path? Are you defined about, by how you love your family? Or perhaps you think life is based on leaving a positive mark on the world, to leave the world better than you found it. What if after all your efforts, the world is no better than you found it? You see, by letting these ambitions or goals define who we are, we become lost in our identity and purpose, and we'll always be questioning ourselves if we don't achieve what we set out to achieve. But the good news is that we can rely on Jesus. He's done all the work for us on the cross. He's made us right with God, and we don't need to question ourselves and our worth because God's already said it. We're part of his family, we're stuck in his wall, part of his building, and nothing can take that away. Everyone's going to encounter Jesus in their walk of life. Whether you choose to trust him or reject him is up to you. Now to those who believe, Jesus becomes precious to them. And as we discussed before, we become living stones in his house. But for those who reject him, he becomes the stumbling block to reach eternal life. Whilst it looks ominous for those who disobey the message, it's important to remember that we were all originally destined to not be part of God's family. And whilst Peter warns of these consequences, he wants to primarily remind us of our identity. But you have received the privilege of being God's possession. In God's great mercy, we're able to be part of his family and to declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness. We're not just set apart from the world, we're set apart for God's glory. Who we are defines what we do. So finally, when you're feeling rejected by the world, remember, it's okay. Remember, God chose you and you're precious to him. And we're being built into one big house for the purpose of bringing others also into this house. And for the one who trusts him, he will never be put to shame. What a great encouragement that is. So when we understand who we are, we can then go out and do what needs to be done. Let who you are define what you do. Don't let what you do define who you are. Let's pray. Father God, we pray for your word. We thank you that You've been able to remind us that about who we are, how we're chosen and precious to you, and that we're doing this not alone, but together with others. So, Father God, I pray that as we depart from this place, that we think about and challenge ourselves to see what our lives are doing and what we base our lives on. And we pray all this in your Son's name. Amen. So... As we come to the end of the sermon,
What's something that stood out to you today? Let's take a few moments to reflect, and we'll go to the next part afterwards.